You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of American Pickle. In old country of Shlupska, I am ditch digger. As far as drugs in Shlupska, it's pretty good. We are the Greenbounds, and we have American dreams. I find good job in pickle factory. Sarah, I make this vow. In 100 years, our family will prosper. And then one day, everything changed. It's been 100 years. The pickle brine preserved him perfectly. Too old to do that. The world has changed. Everyone I know is gone. You were able to track down a great grandson. Greenbaum. Greenbaum. <laughs> this is nuts. Walk past the cafe that you don't need when you live to. Your parents, where are they? They passed away. It was a car crash. He will tell me everything of their deaths, how their bodies died, their faces as the life left. We will bond over our pain. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. I understand why you're a religious person, but I am not. How do you grieve for dead parents? Doing okay. I have an idea. They start pickle business. That's a very stupid idea, Herschel. You have no wife, no children, no friends, no job. You need help. I'm fine. You're not alone! We will become success. Wow. Ooh, very pungent. Mm, yeah, that's straight from the devil. We will finally make their parents proud. Don't talk about my parents. You never met them! You have captivated the hearts of the entire world. I'm probably not best case scenario for what the family's become. In old country, we have sake. I'm sure this has aged well. If man does not throw punch, it is because this man secretly had polio arm. Do something, Ben! Throw your punch! You know they cured polio, right? A guy named Jonas Salk. Was he Jew? He was this. Is this your father? No, that's David Bowie. Is this your mother? No, that's also David Bowie. That whole poster's David Bowie. All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for American Pickle, and this story is as follows. An immigrant worker falls into a vat of pickles and is brined for 100 years. The brine preserves him perfectly, and when he emerges in present-day Brooklyn, he finds that he hasn't aged a day. The film is starring Seth Rogen, Sarah Schnook. It is directed by Brandon Trost, and the screenplay is by Simon Rich. Here to join me for this podcast review, I have Josh Parham. Hello, hello. Tom O'Brien. Hi, everybody. Dan Bayer. I will do great violence. I'm sure you will. And surprisingly, not Michael Schwartz. I'm, I, I, I cannot believe that he would miss out on this opportunity to talk about his people for this movie. <laughs> I shall represent the Jews. <laughs> okay, that's 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 all well and good, but I I, I do want because listen, I am curious. I have to know, so I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna do something right now. Just bear with me. Oh God. <laughs> Could he have made it? No. You 
think he has something really better to do on a Saturday morning. Well, you know what? Dan Baer, mm-hmm. you'll have to represent. I will do my best. This movie, American Pickle, HBO Max exclusive, which means that due to the Oscar rules and eligibility this year, even without the theatrical release, this movie is still technically eligible for Oscar season. So we are here talking about it today. So let's talk about it. Seth Rogen, dual role, lots of Jewish culture involved, lots of pickles. Why don't we hear first from Dan Baer? Dan, what did you think of American Pickle? Um, well, the first thing I thought was I am a little surprised that this movie even got greenlit. Um, it is such a niche thing, <laughs> and for it to have been greenlit and backed and picked up by a major studio in Sony is kind of insane to me. Um, but I liked it. I liked it. It's, um, it is not the, uh, film that I was expecting at all. Um, and I think that's because a lot of people and the trailer was, was kind of funnier than I think the movie is overall. But I think you see Seth Rogen in this kind of role and in this kind of movie and you assume certain things about what to expect. And it, I found that I don't – while the movie is a Seth Rogen comedy, I think its heart is really not in that. It's more about looking at – this notion of family and tradition and how that has changed over the course of the uh, 20th and 21st centuries. And I, I really liked when the movie was focusing on that. Unfortunately, I think it focuses more on the kind of rote fish out of water plot because that's the plot <laughs> then. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that is necessary, but it's a very pleasant watch. Okay. All right. Let's kick it over to Tom O'Brien. Uh, now from the Roman Catholic altar boys perspective, <laughs> I, I was, I was pleasantly surprised by this. Uh, yes, the premise is preposterous, but it has a really strong first act that unexpectedly got me hooked because it raises some very serious questions, cultural questions, moral questions that I didn't expect at all at a, uh, in a Seth Rogen comedy. There's, there's no uh, doobies at all in it. And, uh, <laughs> uh, it, it wound up, yes, the plot does kind of go off the rails a little in the second act and a lot in the third act. But I, I got to say that I, it's dealing with matters and subjects that I didn't expect, and it deals with them fairly well. And I'm anxious to talk about that. All right. And Josh Parham. So I think that I'm in agreement with what has already been said in terms of there is a sweetness to this movie that is a little bit unexpected. And there is uh, kind of a feeling that this movie does deal with some deeper issues on family and tradition that I do think is rather interesting. However, I do also think that for me, when it does get more bogged down in its plot elements, it does actually take a little bit away from the movie for me. And Mm -hmm. I think maybe 
even more so than it might for other people. A lot of this movie I kind of felt was just sort of fine, to be honest. I didn't hate it, but I think a lot of the story elements feel very not predictable, but it just doesn't really get me that invested. And I've actually found that it took away mostly from the great thematic work that the movie was working with. And instead it just really felt like kind of tedious to get through a lot of the times. I think Seth Rogen is really good. It's actually one of his best performances, I would say. And, but I felt like this movie was struggling with saying something interesting, with saying something rather bland and, pedestrian and overall it's not bad i kind of enjoyed it but it wasn't quite a solid hit for me okay so i i have to agree i think across the board here sorry to be a bit of a bore but i i too think that thematically i think american pickle has a lot to offer and i think it uh, brings up a lot of topics and a lot of questions that it almost starts to feel overstuffed at a certain point yep. uh, because it tries to go in so many different directions um, that I wasn't even expecting. But it's very clear that Seth Rogen, as a storyteller, has a lot on his mind nowadays, and he has a lot that he wants to usually cram in into his uh, films that he typically stars in, whether he's writing the screenplay or if he's producing. Uh, his politics and the way that he feels about uh, contemporary issues in the modern world um, are always kind of coming through lately in his work. And I actually, you know, I commend him for that. You know, he's actually in this transitional period where he's still silly at times, but also there is a maturity uh, of, uh, of an artist who actually has things he wants to say and wants to be taken seriously. I think that American Pickle is truly at its best in its more intimate moments when it does focus mm-hmm. on family legacy and the relationship between uh, Ben Greenbaum and Herschel Greenbaum in this film. And you get a lot of that mostly in the first act. Uh, it is when the screenplay starts to go off in like several other different di- directions. And for a 90, just barely 90 minute movie, uh, it, it just feels like too much is happening. And then all of a sudden it feels like it's moving too quickly. And then there are some motivations that I don't really fully believe anymore necessarily uh, just because the screenplay is telling me that this is why this character would do this to this other character. I'm like, there should have been more there to push things forward, but that's where the story wants to go. And so there we are. Uh, with that said, I watching this, I, 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 I was so taken aback um, and surprised as many of you said as well, because I think this might be Seth Rogen's best performance of his career. Really, really good. Yeah. He's usually always playing a version of himself and you get that with Ben Greenbaum, but Herschel Greenbaum is a true transformational performance uh, in terms of mannerisms, in terms of how small a lot of his choices are and the expressions on his face. And like it it was it was a role where I fought for the maybe for the first time ever. I actually felt like Seth Rogen was disappearing into a role instead of dialing his own personality up several notches for a role. I would agree with that, certainly. But I would actually even say that when he is playing Ben, that is an actual transformation, too. You know, it it doesn't have the, you know, the makeup and the beard and the costume design work that he does when he's playing Herschel. But, you know, I think it would have been so easy to have the movie setup be that 
his modern day descendant is this stoner loser that we normally know him. Yes. As, but mm-hmm. but no, he's actually he feels like a real person dealing with actual adult issues. And I think that he handles that really beautifully in many scenes. There's a, especially a moment towards the end. I don't want to say what it is, but there's kind of a, an emotional catharsis that's quite mm-hmm. subtle. And I was actually surprised that he was able to do that so well. And I think that both of these performances that he's given as these characters are really interesting and play off of things that we know about Seth Rogen that he can do well, but also shows a side of his acting that I don't think we'd ever really seen before. I, I was so impressed by the uh, the vocal work in yes. distinguishing between the two characters. I, yeah. It's subtle, but it's very present and I especially as Herschel I, I was just really really impressed and the the physicality of the performances were really great too they, they they're very clearly separate characters but they there's that family resemblance in in how they hold their body in certain moments um that is just like I was really really impressed and i do think it is his best performance um and it's also the best thing about the movie by a long shot (laughs) no pun intended there um and also too the beard switcheroo uh moment they do towards the uh third act even then where they look very similar the performances are still uh, very separated in terms of personality, mannerisms, and all the stuff that you're talking about, Dan, in terms of the physicality, that even without that one big piece that distinguishes them visually, mm-hmm. um, I still was able to get um, you know two very, very polar opposite performances out of Rogan in this, and it just made it all the more impressive because – Maybe outside of Steve Jobs, I've never really considered Seth Rogen to be any like impressive actor by any means. So that was part of the surprise of this movie. The other part of the surprise of this movie was uh, some of the stuff that we touched upon before, which is the sweet emotional center of this movie and how it's not a laugh out loud riot comedy on the same level as something like uh, The Interview or The Night Before. Uh, This is you know, really Seth Rogen trying to say things that mean a great deal to him and his Jewish heritage and uh, about culture, about family. And uh, I think, you know, Tom, I think it was you who said the first act is probably the best. Mm-hmm. There is a scene where the two of them uh, go over a photo album together that oh, oh, is so probably good. the best scene in the whole movie, <laughs> actually. That kind of like crystallizes, I think, all of that uh, in one scene. And I wish the movie had kind of kept that sort of tone throughout because, you know, once we get into the third act, it's social media and the media and politics. And it's like, whoa, 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 like too many directions here, (laughs) you know. Let's get back to the heart of act one. Uh, And I wish it really it had continued. Uh, I I, uh, echo everyone's feeling about this being Seth Rogen's very best performance. It's interesting with the two characters, you forget that Herschel is the same age as Ben, even though he seems much more mature and much older. And Rogen never really gives you that kind of wink, wink, kind of adorable, cranky old man kind of character for Herschel. This is a violent man who's lost a lot of, uh, 
his relatives and his reason for being in the hundred years that he's lost. And uh, Rogan, especially with Herschel, never lets you forget that. And Ben also has his loss. He's lost his parents. He's a screw up as far as his career goes. And there is that guilt he has in disappointing uh, his ancestor for not living up to what his great great grandfather wanted to have the family to be in a hundred years. It's a great, it's, I think it's really a terrific performance and I agree. It's the best since Steve jobs. Okay. Round two, name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death Ready. of a Film Star. Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs. In the first act of the film, we do get this uh, prologue uh, in Eastern Europe, 1919, in Shlupsk. Uh, it's like four by three aspect ratio, desaturated purple filter is like applied uh, to the look. There's some really beautiful shots with some like chromatic aberration uh, with the fisheye lens and such that I was like, whoa, 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 like this is really well done. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. I was really digging that prologue, especially um, with Rogan's. Uh, voiceover performance because we said before the accent work was pretty damn spot on yeah it, and it's so sweet which is not something that i was expecting i, I kind of wish sarah snook was in the movie just a little bit more because she's only yeah. in that prologue i was expecting um a more contemporary uh version of her to show up in the uh ben timeline you know the present day but mm -hmm. it, so that was a little bit of a disappointment there because I, I genuinely felt that they were setting that up a little bit. Um, you know, what'd you guys think of that? Yeah. And I, I get that the, it's about Herschel and Ben and not about her character, but I, I really got a little <laughs> miffed at the end of the prologue when it cuts from him falling into the vat of, pickles just to the present day and we don't get any sort of reaction from her to like what would her reaction have been to that you know did she think that he just left her and, and that was like the first thing like in the very very beginning of the movie too dan where i immediately was like i like the direction of this movie i like what rogan is doing yeah. the screenplay just has like a lot of holes in it that 
it, you know, it really wants you to take a lot of leaps here. You know, like my, I, my, my first big all caps note, because that's how I emphasize things now when I make yeah. notes during movies, I write in all caps. And I'm like, nobody sees him fall in. He just right. falls in and they close the lid immediately. There's like 50 people in the room. And it's like, really? That's how you're visually going to represent this moment here? <laughs> though, though I took I mean, it, he's such a nothing in the factory that no one would care to take a look at him. And, like, no one has ever renovated this building in 100 years. It's just stayed there. This is Brooklyn. Real estate in New York. Are you kidding me? Like, and also, those pickles have been brining for 100 years. They're going to smell when you open that lid up. Come on. Like, <laughs> I mean, at the same time, I do think the movie occasionally acknowledges its silliness yes. in its premise. I mean, there's that whole scene when he gets brought back and there's reporters <laughs> asking, like, yes. oh, so what's the science? And the voiceover just says, and they explain the science and it sounded great to everybody. So they like, show the visualization of the chart and it's just nonsense. <laughs> yeah. Like, so there is an acknowledgement that its premise is, is silly. I think the bigger problem for me though, is that it eventually just goes into these, what feels like wild tangents that don't have that much impact in terms of a character perspective that feel like a collection of skits that are sewn together, but they don't really flow into each other. They feel the comedy to me there just never really landed that hard. And that unfortunately I think is most of the movie. And I really kind of struggled to connect with the film whenever it went away from the more intimate character stuff and got into these like very, outlandish um, skits, essentially, that it was doing. I never really found that to be quite effective to me. Yeah, it it really felt like this whole movie was an SNL short that was expanded to a movie. Even though it's not, mm. it's based on a novella that yeah. this guy published yeah. in New Yorker. And, and I think it does have to do with that... That fish out of water plot that it is so dedicated to. And the annoying thing about it is that it it essentially has one joke, right? Yeah. You know, they're like, oh, this guy is from the old world and his views are not what we believe now, are they? Well, I do think that the movie is uh, not only commenting on that, Dan, but it is also commenting on look how far we have evolved in terms of progressive ideas, but also in looking at someone like President Trump as an example, which this movie is clearly alluding to at times, look at how much we still have to go in terms of um, what's considered offensive. And like, you know, there's that whole scene where he's talking about degrading women and treating women as uh, servants for basic human existence. And that's okay. But the minute that he insults the Christians, you know, then it's all up in arms and it's yeah. like, ah, <laughs> how dare you? Yeah. I, I, and I get that. I get that. That's what it's trying to go for, but it's just like the joke is only so funny and it's the same thing. And not only that ad nauseum. And I also feel like the joke doesn't have enough setup. Like, it has the idea, but it doesn't give you, like, the proper context to explore any of these themes that it wants to bring up with those jokes. Like, that scene, 
like, yes, it does have very res- uh, relevant themes that we're working with today, but at the same time, it felt so out of place within the story to me because it just sort of felt like we were just suddenly here talking about this, and it's like, wait, were, was this an issue before? I don't remember this being something the movie was actually discussing, and right. I think a lot of this movie feels like that. It's it's one yeah. of the few films recently that I'd say would have been much better off if it was a little longer. Uh, yeah, I actually would agree with that. Either a little longer or if it had been a short and they had cut out most of that plot yeah. stuff. Because here's my other problem too, right? The sequence of events that leads to just how outlandish and how crazy everything starts to get in regards to the rise and fall of Herschel in our contemporary American society stems from Ben's anger and jealousy towards his own success versus his own lack of success. And there is this moment where, you know, we find out that Ben's parents uh, died five years prior and he's clearly still very hurt by that. The movie hints that there's something else there. Uh, going on uh, in in his relationship to his parents. But it turns out there isn't. It's just he's upset that they're dead and he really is, you know, alone, has no family. And it felt like at times like Ben's motivation for wanting to sabotage Herschel's success just it didn't ring true to me. It didn't feel like it was so convincing enough that all the lengths that he goes to to make it happen, like it just didn't make sense. And that's where the movie started to fall off the rails for me. Yeah, I actually thought that made a lot of sense. Really? Uh, he's He's been working on this app for five years and has basically put everything he has into this app because he believes in it. And it's his way of um, remembering and honoring his parents. And the, you know, it was it was, you know, in his mind going to go really well. He had the venture capital guy who was interested in it and all this stuff. And then he can't even make at the end of the day, he can't make the pitch to the venture capital guy because he's like, your app is about, you know, ethical corporations. And the first thing that comes up when you Google you is this arrest that happened because of Herschel. Which only happened like, what, five or five minutes before that scene, by the way. That is like, whatever. But like, I, I, got that i got his motivation like you know like the only thing he had in his life was taken away from him yeah but herschel like i do i think that it's well done <laughs> no but did i understand it yes oh no i understood it i'm just saying it didn't convince me i think it was way out of proportion uh, yeah to what herschel did because what ben does to herschel is very personal he ruins him. He ruins his good name. He ruins his life. It actually makes Ben an irredeemable character for me that by the end, I didn't feel like the movie had earned us to care about Ben again. Yeah. But I think that's one of the things that the movie is trying to talk about, like how like how things have changed over the course of the 20th century. And that like, yes, what he does to him is horrible, but it's particularly horrible to Herschel. It's not horrible in the same way to Ben and to the people of 2019, 2020. I mean, I, I, I will say like, I loved everything with the Brooklynite hipsters wanting his artisanal 
pickles. Oh my god, I love that scene too. When the, when the gay couple <laughs> is like asking him questions about his uh, pickle stand on the street, that was really really well done. Really funny to me. <laughs> and then all of the the people showing up to audition to be interns. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> slave like a slave oh no no not like that no no, no, no not that and then of course like as soon as the health inspector comes um the, and everyone's like well nope can't do these pickles anymore Ooh, they're trash throw them out get them out of here and how they turn on him like it, it was very very that part was i think the cleverest most um sh- the sharpest part of the um, political commentary that it was doing, like how these people are so charmed by how authentic this guy is. And then when they found out how really authentic this guy is, suddenly they're turned off and oh, how dare you? And, and I love the example that they also use a little bit later when he gets involved with Twitter. He has like this intern, Clara, who is this young, like naive NYU student who is very earnest and wants to like do a good job and get, you know, uh, edu credits for uh, working uh, for him and as soon as he gets involved in Twitter and he has protesters she immediately visually just walks over to the other side starts lifting up a sign and she's like even saying I'm sorry but then she starts yelling and shouting at him anyway and I think that that's a great um, stand in for uh, how how much like we don't have in this day and age it seems like true beliefs anymore or we're not true to ourselves we you know just immediately go with whatever the vibe is in regards to uh where where everyone else's anger and hatred is directed towards so like even if you want you know wanted to call this guy your friend and you wanted to support him and you really believe in everything he was doing it's like the minute that something gets taken out of context or whatever it is nope jumping ship you know sorry pal (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I thought that was good commentary as well. And especially that that news headline, Kanye West defends oh, right. Herschel's right to offend. <laughs> <laughs> and I certainly grant that all that is there and it is interesting. I think the problem for me, though, is at the end of the day, that's not really what the movie is about either. No. And it feels like it's more of a distraction from the more interesting bits of the movie. So yes, it does bring up that commentary, but I also feel like that commentary is so unnecessary in this particular movie. And it ends up feeling like the movie's just throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. And, and it, it just ends up not focusing on the character stuff that I really wanted the movie to focus on. And I think unfortunately it gets distracted a lot with the other stuff concerning like Herschel's success and his downfall, which I just found to just not be as interesting as the more intimate character study that the movie was also dealing with. And I wish it had focused more on that. So much so that by the time we get to the very, very end of the movie and the movie ends with this uh, quiet, uh, more quiet, intimate moment between these two characters yet again, I found myself when the credits rolled being like, yo, they needed more time there. I have a lot Mm -hmm. of questions still in regards to, uh, you know, some unresolved issues from literally everything that this movie tries to jam in into second half of its film. Like it, it just tried to do too much and it tries to wrap it up by just ignoring those issues and going, getting back to the intimate moments that we, you know, liked in that first act as a way to try and wrap up these characters. But I was 
even though I liked the movie, I have to admit I was still a bit unsatisfied. Yeah, I was a bit unconvinced, and I really wanted to be convinced, and I found myself saying, oh, please work out, please work out, and when it doesn't really, despite that final lovely last scene, uh, I came away a bit disappointed. I, I wondered where whether, uh, the, uh, to go back to uh, what Dan said very early on, uh, it got the green light because of the wacky stuff. And that the more intimate things that we responded to were things that were wedged in because to really, you know, for Seth Rogen to be able to express what is really on his mind about this subject. And it uh, it just it seemed like it didn't follow through with the really wonderful and provocative issues that it raised in Act One. And (laughs) it's. It's very weird to me, like all the stuff with Herschel's business and sort of the rise and fall, that all that felt like it was from a the Seth Rogen movie that you were sort of expecting this to be, mm-hmm. like the traditional the more traditional self Seth Rogen movie, except that this movie is not that. And like he is not giving a traditional Seth Rogen performance. Right. I, I, he he is like kind of as Herschel, but it's so toned down that it's essentially something else entirely. And I think that the movie, when I, whether it's the direction or the script, something about it was like the the tone was off and they couldn't figure out quite what to do with it. And it eventually ended up being shaped by Seth Rogen's performance, which is this very sort of quiet for Seth Rogen, um, grounded, very like warm performance. And that is the tone that sort of permeates the movie. So all the, the more comedic stuff and the more um, out there, um, you know, social commentary stuff ends up feeling shoehorned in, even though that's that takes up the larger part of the movie's runtime mm-hmm. because it's so tonally different from what the the, the heart of the movie is. Yeah. Um, I think there's a good segue into final thoughts here. Uh, and Dan, I'll actually let you continue on with that um, idea or if you have anything <laughs> else you want to add to it. Um, I, I think that pretty much was my final thought. Um, I'm going to bring up my... It, the, I guess my thing is a lot of the jokes, especially in that the, that section about Herschel pickle business is like they're very easy jokes to make and some of them work but it the movie it doesn't go that extra step and i think that's the um the thing that really kind of gets me about this movie like it it's so close to being really really good and instead it's just kind of a nice movie to watch on TV while other things are happening. Like I, I, I can't really, I would have probably been a lot more disappointed in this movie if I was seeing it in a movie theater on a big screen. I, I, I understand that aspect of it. I also wondered a couple of times while watching it, how well some of these jokes would have landed 
uh, in a movie theater with, with an, an audience. audience. Yeah. I was thinking, would they be laughing out loud? Would it just be chuckles? Would it be dead silence? I don't know. Yeah. And I think for that reason, it is an easier and better watch maybe at home mm. than it would have been in a theater because I really think that people heading in with maybe certain expectations uh, for what they think a Seth Rogen comedy should be would have been pissed at this movie. And yes. I think that, that yeah. would have destroyed our own perception of it, maybe even more so where with this, um, I actually think that what the movie really is going for might actually be better served uh, at home. And I, I I, have to admit, I think it was kind of a brilliant move to release it uh, for HBO Max then in that case. Yeah, I completely agree on that point. Um, I, I do have to say I did um, one of my big like guffaw laughs came when – um, <laughs> uh, ben is showing Herschel the iPad and he says, you make this. And so goes, no, I, I didn't invent the iPad. And of course my brain, I'm thinking, well, you did play Steve Wozniak. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also I really liked the score for the movie. Um, I, I thought it was very, very well done and kind of that, um, classical Hollywood way that uh, it, it felt like, it, you know, it was of another time um, that, and it, it worked. I, I have to admit, I really like the score to this movie as well. Overall, like visually, aesthetically and everything else that they do, even editing wise in this movie at times, I really, really enjoyed a lot of the technical aspects of this film, but uh, I think my issues still come down to uh, the screenwriting at the end of the day in uh, regards to not not the themes, but dialogue. And also, you know, it's like you don't know what was left on the cutting room floor if the, if the movie ever explored more. So I will just go to the root and say it's the screenplay. But for all I know, it could have been a director's decision. It could have been something done in the editing room. Uh, there, it just seems like there's a lot missing in the movie. Uh, Tom, final thoughts. Um, my final thought is I hope that casting directors see this and see what Seth Rogen can do. Yeah. Because I think, I think it was tough to see beyond, um, the stoner, um, character that he created in movie after movie. He's a good actor. And I think he's, I don't think he's ever given a performance that is good, as good as he does here. And if you have HBO max, it, try this film. You'll be surprised at how wonderful Seth Rogen is. And thank goodness he's in it because he keeps you going through the whole thing. Yeah, definitely agreed. Uh, this especially paired up with uh, Long Shot recently where he, you know, and I said on our podcast last week, compare that to um, how he started off with us and Knocked Up as a romantic lead. It's night and day when you see yeah. how he ha how he carries himself and you can just tell he has just so much more confidence uh in a lot of his acting choices i think compared to um you know a decade ago when we were first getting acclimated with him on screen so it's all the more uh impressive i think when you see where his career is today josh parm what about you uh, I think the only uh, final thought that I would have is we did mention how this movie does have jokes, but it's not like a really big laugh out loud type of comedy. But I will say there was one moment that actually did kind of do that for me, and it's a joke involving David Bowie. <laughs> oh, that was good, yeah. <laughs> yes. 
It's like such a silly throwaway thing, but it did get me and I had to acknowledge that. Certainly, (laughs) it was a very funny joke. I liked it. (laughs) Uh, For my final thoughts, um, I really, really badly want a seltzer maker now in my apartment. (laughs) Don't have a soda stream. I buy seltzer in the can and I think my days of doing that need to end now. (laughs) Soda stream is life. Yeah. Uh, another thing too, that is a really, really great Brooklyn apartment, and I just want to know what <laughs> Ben is doing for his money because he hasn't actually sold this app yet. Like, is he doing other app jobs on the side for people? He does say he does freelance, so. But it, that's a really, really nice Brooklyn apartment. I'm just saying. <laughs> Whenever, and then the final thing I want to say too is I really do like that when Herschel uh, starts off with the pickle business. I, I like that, you know, one thing I will give credit to a previous generation before our own two um, is that people had less distractions in their life. And if they had a goal, they were so fixated on that goal that they were able to achieve, I think, greater things than what our generation has been able to achieve. And I think there's something to be said for that. And I think that, you know, I'm, I'm watching Herschel you know, put all this effort into trying to make this pickle business, you know, really take off. And I, I just thought to myself, that's only somewhat something that somebody maybe from like 150 years ago could do. But in an age of like social media and with our attention spans being what they are, I just I, 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 I like I have a hard time seeing people being able to accomplish stuff like that nowadays. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, great out of ten for me. Uh, uh oh, got a text message from Michael Schwartz. Uh, he says thought it was a little contrived toward the end, uh, but it was incredibly sweet and meaningful. Reminded him a lot of his own great grandparents. Ah, isn't that sweet? That's nice. That's really nice. Uh, he appreciated a lot of the specific cultural references and how they were applied. Ah, all right, so. Michael wasn't a part of the review, but he was a part of the review in the end. So that's really nice. <laughs> uh, I'm going with a six out of 10, strong six out of 10. Uh, and that's mostly due to Seth Rogen's performance. I was like teetering with going with a seven for a little while. But man, I just really do feel like the movie goes off the rails a little too much towards the end of the film, especially in that third act. And I don't think that the 90 minute runtime is sufficient enough to hold it all together. So six out of 10, like it recommended to watch at home definitely not a disaster by any means it would have been a disaster if it was offensive and poorly and very poorly written with no real thematical like nuance and um respect towards like the jewish culture that they you know show in this movie there there really is an earnest quality to it that is sweet and likable so I, i do recommend people check it out in the end dan what's your grade uh i am also at a six out of ten okay all right, Tom. Uh, I with the off the rail stuff, and uh, I thought, oh, maybe it's a five, but that strong act one and that really terrific Seth Rogen performance pushes that up to a six for me. All right, Josh Parm. I'm joining the six party. Um, <laughs> I, I'm sort of with you, Matt. Like it is so close to a seven at points because those moments of really kind of great character and emotional work do a lot, but. There's also just way too much stuff in this movie that doesn't contribute to that. And unfortunately, I think that's most of the movie. So it doesn't 
quite get into the territory of like a full-throated recommendation, but to stream at home, like, yeah, it's fine for what it is with that. And I think a six out of 10 is appropriate. All right. All right. And no Oscar potential. No. No. I mean, even in this year, I I would say the only thing is um, Seth Rogen's performance and it doesn't quite... I don't think it's this movie is going to be remembered. The Globes are calling, perhaps. Yeah, it depends Maybe. on many comedies. Yeah. yeah, I think the Globes would have to still be very generous to recognize him. Although, I mean, he would be deserving, but I even would say that's not incredibly likely, even in this year. Really, you think yeah. so? Because I'm trying to think of how many like lead actor comedy musical performances I've seen that I would put in that category. To be honest with you. Well, and that's the thing. Like, the field is so sparse that he may well have a chance, but I think his only chance is at the Globes. And even then, I I don't know how many people are going to even see this. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, too, because uh, a lot of times streaming movies get a lot of attention the first weekend, and by the end of the month, they're kind of forgotten. And I'm afraid that might happen to this one. That's a good point. Good point all around. I uh, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you guys, but you know, it's so low key too. You know, yeah, yeah. You know, listen, rough year, different kind of year. Keeping options open. You know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, anything could happen, and it would be very deserving for yes. that nomination too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that'll do it here for our review of American Pickle. Dan Bear, where can they find you on the internet? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Dance and Dan on Film. Josh Parham. I am on Twitter at J.R. Parham. And Tom O'Brien. And I am on Twitter at Thomas E. O'Brien. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of American Pickle here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.